0: This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Yo, world. This is Connor Oberst, folk singer, uh, media mogul. You're listening listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Matt and Joe, two of the biggest superheroes. Word. Welcome to episode 79 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, August 15th. My name is Matt Baum. At Matt Bomstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not ditching this piece of crap podcast for two weeks for a pills and booze-fueled midlife crisis, I
1: write the Comic Speculator blog for woodpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not crying myself to sleep on my huge pillow because my life partner left me to play rock star... I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. So
0: sad. What am I going to do with myself? This week, you'll hear reviews of Pathfinder number one and The Victories number one. After that, we'll be stretched to a microfilament and we are pulled into the black hole that is the ludicrous speed round where we review 10 comics so fast that time and gravity act like they don't want nothing to do with us. Then, we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where science and sorcery will meld into one allowing us to appear in the future of next week's comics and finally, don't call it a comeback because they've been here for years the comic pushers are back from another successful run across the border and man do these drug mules have some highly addictive comic product up their butts. But before we get to all that shucking and jiving, let's take a minute to raise our fists in support of Pussy Riot, the female Russian punk rock band that was sentenced to three years in prison after performing an anti-Vladimir Putin song in the Russian Orthodox Church. Today, we celebrate the first THM punk rock show, where we're spiking up our hair with beer and egg whites, putting on our sleeveless crass t-shirts, and our sleeveless studded leather jackets, and flipping the man the bird. F*** you, the man. I like it. We'll be playing the crustiest, poppiest, gutteriest punk rock I could find in my iTunes library all episodes. So let's scream "bullocks" to you, Putin, and flip off the cops, and then we'll talk about this week's
1: big news. It's with great sadness that we report the passing of yet another industry veteran. Joe Kubert, legendary artist, founder of the Kubert School, and father of five, including artists Adam and Andy Kubert, passed away on Sunday, August 13th, just one month shy of his 86th birthday. Not that old. Not that old. Kubert, who was a beloved mentor figure to hundreds of professionals, got his start in the comics industry in 1937 at the ripe old age of 11. That is crazy. Kubert was the kind of artist that inspired other artists, and his New Jersey art school has fostered generations of talent with names like Amanda Connor, Rags Morales, Steve Bessette, and Alex Maleev counted among its alumni. Joe Kubert's artistic legacy and impact on the comic industry will never be forgotten, and he will surely be missed.
0: Joe Kubert's kids didn't go to his school?
1: I think they teach at his school. Oh,
0: okay. Hey, they just, yeah, I mean, you know what? God bless that dude for his kids alone, let alone this list of amazing people that graduated from there. That guy Joe Kubert, I don't when you say his name, there's not many people I can think of that you would mention doing war comics. You know, right off the top of my head. he is the guy.
1: Yeah. He's that guy for a lot of different
0: types yeah, of talents. And he's one of the last like old golden age guys left, too. I mean, it's too bad. We're we're losing them real quick here.
1: Well, this isn't take away from the passing of any industry veteran, but Joe Kubert was really one of the greats. Like it's Will Eisner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Joe Kubert it's like when Jack Kirby died. And still working. I mean, yes. up in, he's he doing had, the before Watchmen Night Owl. He had books still on the way from DC, a, yeah. a Joe Kubrick spotlight series. I mean, this is a huge loss and, and he will be missed for sure.
0: Image Comics and Robert Kirkman's Skybound imprint have been teasing a major character death in the upcoming Invincible number 100 every day this week. Teaser images were released one per day featuring Invincible himself, Alan the Alien, Robot, Adam Eve, and Oliver, a.k.a. Young Omni-Man. Solicits for the storyline leading up to 100 may provide some clues. The story is called The Death of Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, Kirkman has demonstrated that no one is safe in his books, but would he actually kill off the title character? You know, my, my, my
1: gut says, of course not. He can't. He if he can't. does, does Blackvincible take over? I mean, is that it? <laughs> Black
0: is any chance I get to say Black Vincible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My gut says he can't, but then it's immediately followed by... This is Robert Kirkman. Well, he might. Yeah,
0: you read his his Walking Dead, right? I do. No spoilers, but...
1: It's true. Nobody's safe. That book is a bloodbath. And Invincible is pretty bloody at times as well. Let's just say that if Invincible himself dies, I'll be stunned but not entirely surprised. Yeah, no doubt. But if I had to place money on it... I'm I'm saying
0: even odds. I'm saying... 50-50. 50-50. Even odds that invincible dies. Like I would not take that bet for or against.
1: Hmm? Even odds. My money is on a robot just because they've kind of been painting him in a bad light, but I think that's the easy answer. Yeah. Truthfully, I don't want to lose any of these characters, but you yeah. got to keep that drama train rolling somehow. I would
0: say that's a one you would have to like bet 100 bucks to win a dollar on that one. That's terrible. Bad yeah. odds. <laughs>
1: And finally, BleedingCool.com is reporting that DC's upcoming Zero issues are burning up the Diamond Comics advance reorder charts. For those that may not be aware, advance reorders are placed by retailers that have decided for whatever reason that they need more copies of an upcoming title than they initially ordered. Of the top 11 items on the chart, 5 of them are DC Zero issues, specifically Detective Comics, Green Lantern, Phantom Stranger, Action Comics, and Earth 2. Which begs the question, what is it about these particular issues that has retailers increasing their orders? Is it simply customer demand, or are they expecting the issues to be hot down the line? What do you think? I have no idea.
0: I don't know, because all those books you named aside from Detective, we haven't seen Phantom Stranger yet, but even Action and Earth 2 are slipping in sales. So why they're going nuts with zero issues, I don't get it.
1: They might be slipping, but aren't these among dc's highest sellers still right now i mean yeah but you can't tell me that phantom stranger is going to be you can't i mean well okay here's here's a theory and earth 2 has slipped quite a bit phantom stranger is going to deal a lot with like pandora which leads up to the big dc crossover the trinity war thing right it could be a book that leads to things detective comics that's kind of coinciding with john layman taking over the title yeah I don't know. But Layman's not on
0: the zero issue. He's not
1: on the zero issue, but he's on, I think, the next one.
0: Is it the next one?
1: It's 13 or 14. That was
0: quick. That yeah. was really quick.
1: So, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems odd to me. For one thing, it seems odd to me that retailers would automatically lower their orders for a zero issue, rather than just, like, if you have, say, for example... 50, 50 pull files. This doesn't mean that anybody lowered their orders.
0: It just means that they went, we didn't necessarily get enough. I
1: think it does mean that they lowered their orders. I think initial orders on zero issues are low because retailers have been trained to see it as a gimmick. Maybe. Rather than just the next issue in a, in a comic.
0: Well, in that case, it could just people be saying then, well, you know, we'll just get the standard amount. You know, I mean, it's hard to know with these numbers. I don't think these are going to do anything. I don't see anything hot. Coming out of this. I mean, it is a gimmick. It but really
1: is. According to Bleeding Cool, these things are on pace to sell out. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean there won't be piles of them on the shelf.
1: That's absolutely right. That's it's the a thing very good I mean, point. A
0: sellout, and I write about this every week, a sellout is not a, always the best a thing. A sellout at Diamond does in not world. mean
1: anything in, t- in the face of 2,000 retailers. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> doesn't mean there's a, not a pile of 100 of them waiting for you. Yeah. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where we posted a PDF of our Zero Issue Origin story, where readers can thrill to how I met Joe Patrick one fateful September night in a public restroom in a public park after he tapped his foot three times in one of the stalls.
1: Come on. Why is it always gotta go there with that is you? Gay joke number
0: one, if number you're keeping one. track. That's number one. <laughs> Earlier today, we posted the question of the week on our Facebook and our Twitter. If you want to play along, all you got to do is like us or follow us. And you could be internet famous. When we read your response, Joe Patrick, what are these nerds saying when you asked them, are you looking forward to DC Zero issues and which ones are you most excited to read
1: and why? Our first tweet came from Jason at Studio underscore 13. Nice guy. Yes. Who asks... What's the Zero's significance? Are they rebooting the reboot? And I think that's a great question. What this is supposed to be is DC filling in the gaps in their continuity that took place prior to issue one, as everybody knows. Supposedly. Irregardlessly. (laughs) Everybody knows that DC rebooted everything, and we picked up pretty much in mid-story. So Superman number one, Superman was already in existence. Who knows what happened before, right? Did he fight Doomsday? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What the zero issues are supposed to be, supposedly, supposedly, are books that fill in certain things like, hey, everybody, maybe if we all read Batgirl, we'll get to find out what happened when uh you she think? got shot by the Joker. Do you think so? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't either. But that's the deal, Jason. We have another tweet here from our friend Tracy Mock at Mockingbird, who says that she is excited. She's particularly excited. To get a full length Shazam story in Justice League Zero, Tracy's
0: nice too. I didn't mean to. I, I feel like now I have to say everybody's a nice person. So,
1: everybody's uh, nice. You don't. Matt doesn't like me. He <laughs> didn't say I was nice. Yeah. No. Well, no, you know. I also am excited to get a full length Shazam. Yeah. Story. No.
0: I mean that should be cool. I don't understand why we just don't have a Shazam book right now because it's been the best part of that Justice League book. I think excellent.
1: I think Shazam historically is a tough sell yeah. in the modern market, and I think they were so actually wise to do it as as backups. So
0: was Aquaman and Jeff Johns proved he can make that work. Yeah. I mean, it's selling really well.
1: It's for the fing enemies. We've been on tour with enemies for like four weeks and a bunch of diamond geezers. <laughs>
0: It's review time at THN where each week DJ and I strap ourselves in the driver's seat of two brand new comics and smash them into a brick wall crash test style to see if we survive the impact. Joe, what did you pick to review this week?
1: I picked Pathfinder, number one, from Dynamite Entertainment, which I had to double check because I could have sworn this was an IDW or a Boom Studios yeah, book. Yeah, no
0: doubt. This is definitely in their wheelhouse. When, when
1: I ended up liking it. <laughs> Uh, this one's written by Jim Zubkovich with art by Andrew Huerta. Zubakavich? Zubkovich. Zubkovich. Z U you B K know A V I T C H. Did you tweet him? Well, the way you say it, there's way too many vowels in Zubacavich. there. No! <laughs> the colors in this one are by... I think the
0: title of this week's show is supposedly Zubakavich.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> colors for Pathfinder are by Ross Campbell. Here's your solicit. Valeros can rely on his sword arm and his friends, the mysterious and beautiful sorcerer Sayoni, and silver-tongued, quick-witted elven rogue Marisiel. speaking of too many vowels... But nothing can prepare him for the dangers that lurk ahead. The scattered and chaotic goblin tribes of Varicia are changing, growing in power, and unifying in ways no one has ever seen before. They got gnarly zits. Yeah. At the heart of this strange evolution is an ancient evil looking to establish itself anew. Ooh. Yeah. Now, regular listeners of the show may remember me saying more than once that I am not a huge fan of the fantasy genre. It's not that I don't like it. What it's just, nerd
0: are you, sir? It's
1: not that I don't like it at all. It's just way down in the nerd hierarchy. You know? There's like sci-fi. You're more
0: like the sci-fi western.
1: Superhero. Genre. Like Wild sci-fi, Wild West. Right? Fantasy's like fifth on the list. That's your wheelhouse. Yes.
0: <laughs> Space westerns.
1: <laughs> I debated <Like> whether... it's Westworld. <laughs> yes. I debated... off topic i did debate whether or not i should bother reading pathfinder number one but i wanted something different
0: and to steal it from my five thanks
1: oh we'll talk about our fives later yeah but i was looking for something different to pad out my ludicrous speed round review and uh so i picked it up i was so pleasantly surprised by this first issue that i decided screw the ludicrous speed round this book is my full review for the week wow yeah Uh, This issue opens with the adventurers Valeros, Sayoni, and Marisiel getting ambushed by a horde of goblins while traveling to a town called Sandpoint to meet their companion, a wizard named Ezrin. Something's off about these particular goblins. and They have wicked zits, as Matt said, and the mystery sets the group on the path to adventure. We should point out Wicked zits. <laughs> it's more to it than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> now, I'm not familiar with Jim Zubakavich's work. Uh, I know he writes... Got you doing it now, <laughs> too, huh? <laughs> I know he writes uh, Skull Kickers for Image, but I've never read it. That's...
0: Okay, that's where
1: I recognize the name. Yeah. And I was really impressed. I was very impressed with his writing. And even though the cast seems full of stock fantasy character personalities, drunken swordsman, wisecracking elf rogue, et cetera, et cetera, uh, but... Zubkovich does a good job handling each distinct voice. Now you're right back. I know. I'm a prof <laughs> I'm totally profesh. And the book is funny. Like I wasn't expecting it to be so lighthearted. The yeah. covers are all like super serious. Yeah,
0: they're like Frazetta kind of fantasy yeah. series. But
1: this thing was really funny, and not that it wasn't not that it's a comedy. It's just no, it, it, was, was it was lighthearted and yeah. it was fun to read. And it didn't get bogged down in tone. Right. I really, really enjoyed the tone of this issue. Uh, Andrew Huerta does a great job on the art. It's very reminiscent of Joe Maderera's Battle Chasers. But there's enough of Huerta's own style to make it distinct. It's really, really good looking.
0: And who knows? Maybe he can finish more than one book every year.
1: Hey! hey Zinga! <laughs> he doesn't skimp on the backgrounds either. Every panel is full of life and things to see besides the main action. There's one scene in particular set in a tavern. And I found myself staring at the various... Miscreants lurking in the background. There's a bunch of just like completely unnamed, like scary looking dudes in that bar. And I was like, man, that's fun. He totally
0: packed the panels. Like packed them. Really but did. But not overpacked. Where really it's insane. You know?
1: Ross Campbell's colors work well with Huerta's exaggerated art. It's a very bright color palette, but it's not heavy or super saturated, so... Yeah, it's not cartoony like Battle Chasers looked. Yeah, it, it gives the book a nice look. It makes it look kind of like it was colored with colored pencil yeah. or watercolor. Yeah. Like, it's it's that kind of... It's vibrant, but also not really heavy. I was really skeptical about this book. It's based on an RPG. It's, it's D&D for people that hate the modern d and I just was really impressed with it. And the back is full of like character sheets and there's a fold-out map in there if you want to play Pathfinder. Yeah. And it's just, it's a great package for the $3.99. The story was like full length and there was way more extra stuff besides. Yeah. So for four bucks, you get a ton of stuff in this book. Not only did it make me want to read the rest of the series, but it inspired me to pick up the first two volumes of Zubakovich's Skull Kickers. Hey, look at that. And I'm giving this a buy it. I am surprised. I
0: really liked it too. I got to say, and I couldn't stop making the connections to Dungeons and Dragons and Battle Chasers as well for some reason. But where IDW falls down with their Dungeons and Dragons comic is just the tone is so boringly fantasy, just like so backbreakingly serious. And it just it gets boring and bogged down in the constant references, like the whole hey, what did you, what did I just notice over there with my passive perception? Like, <laughs> I get it. We're p- I
1: am totally perceiving something in the right. corner of this we're, room.
0: We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. I got it. You know, hold
1: on. I can only see 10 squares away, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> like, oh, my movement has been slowed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, the, the point being, is there's a lot of old D&D tropes here like you said you've got the drunk swords yeah. you've got the you know the rogue but it's lighthearted enough that it was fun to read
1: yes and exactly and
0: you breezed through it the art was really pretty they packed it like you said packed it full of really cool stuff they're doing everything that IDW should be doing with D&D and isn't honestly when i was done with this first thing i wanted to do try play and, Pathfinder try and play this totally. game
1: I didn't read all of the back matter because, you know, time was of the essence, but I was like, man, I would really like to play a game with these characters. Yeah,
0: and I don't know. You guys tell me, is this fun? Does anybody out there play Pathfinder? Tweet us, email us, let us know. I'm curious.
1: Yeah, because we don't know anything about gaming. (laughs) We don't play (laughs) role-playing games. Are you kidding me? What
0: are we, dorks? Matt, what did you read this week? This week, I read the Victories number one from Dark Horse. Do
1: you mean Michael Avon Omings the Victories?
0: Pardon me. This week I read Michael Avon Oeming's *The Victories*. I hate it when they do that. Number one, unless the artist is going to star in the book, stop doing that.
1: Garth Ennis's Jennifer Blood. Yeah, it's
0: just dumb. Unless he's dating her in the book, I don't <laughs> think he should have his name on there. From *Dark Horse*, written and drawn by Michael Michael Avon Oeming. Good guess. Not long from now. Here's your solicit. Sorry. Not long from now. All that will stand between you and evil are the victories. Six heroes sworn to protect us from crime, corruption, and the dark. Whatever the hell that means. As one member cracks down on the violence, he discovers himself touched by a painful past. Will this trauma cause him to self-destruct or continue the fight? Michael Avon Von Oming seems to be a very divisive artist. Nerds either love his kind of angular cartoony style or they hate the hell out of it. I find myself very much in the first camp. I've been a huge Oming fan since he began his tenure on Powers alongside Brian Michael Bendis way back in 2000. That was like 55 years ago. That <laughs> was a long time. Oeming appears to be. That was like a thousand okay, years I mean, ago. Really, Oeming appears to be at the top of his game here, and along with Powers, Colorist Nick Fialardi, he's just unstoppable. He has this perspective and a sense of paneling unlike anybody working today. He really does.
1: All right, I'm going to stop you right there. Hit me. Because I love Michael A. Oming as well. I think his designs are fun. Yeah. I I like his style. But I think a lot of his modern work is very hard to follow because he does a lot of small panels. He does. And I'm telling you, there are panels in this book that I have no idea what's happening. I'm going to get to that. But he
0: has, you have to admit, he has a perspective Unlike anybody else working right now. You know instantly when you're looking at a Michael Avon Oming book. Very it distinct. can be a little hard to follow sometimes, but he's one of those guys that I feel like teaches you how to read his comics as you read them. You know what I mean? Sure. Like Powers, for a while there, when I
1: first read it, there was just nothing that looked like that, and it was weird. I will say that before Powers came out, it was unheard of to read a comic from left to right of, along the top of the two-page spread, yeah. Yeah. and now it's everywhere yeah
0: no it's true i think he may have created that i don't know i mean
1: and i don't know if credit goes to bendis or oming on that but i bet it's a little bit of both probably both yeah
0: but along with filardi's like splashes of colors that he uses in here and the way that he like colors the blood instead of drawing it it works really well in some panels and it makes a very beautiful very original looking comic he draws comics like an animator he really does Yeah, yeah yeah he animates his books Unfortunately, and this seems to be the reoccurring theme from my experiences with Oming, when he writes his own stuff, he loses me. There's there's just this juvenile tone in this book. I am not a prude. I don't have a problem with cuss words. I don't have a problem with violence. Sure, but the way that he writes it, it sounds so forced and just like ridiculous at times. We've kind of made this criticism about other books, kind of stupid. Yeah. And the same thing with like his Hammer of the Gods, which was one that I liked. But there was stuff that it's just like, why would a Viking say that? That, that just sure. seems
1: ridiculous.
0: Sure, There's scenes here where there, the Jackal, who is the bad guy, and Faustus, who is the good guy in this, are having this fight. And there's just this hackneyed dialogue. It just doesn't even make it make sense. Like, all right, I've had enough of this. And, oh, screw it. I'm just going to kick the f*** out of you. You know, like, what? Right, right. Not to mention the fact that there's a scene where the Jackal character tears the guy's head off. And literally craps down his throat. That,
1: okay, we had this conversation over text last night, yep, and it's like, one of the most surreal conversations we've ever had. <laughs> the jackal says to the congressman or whatever, "I'm going to he's a sh- judge. He's a judge, judge. Yes, I am going to rip your head off and shit down your neck." Yeah, and then he does it. He tears off the head, and then the camera pulls way back so you can't actually see what he's doing. Right. But I would have bet even money. That he was masturbating. I mean, you couldn't tell. And, and while he was doing it, this is the discussion it, we're having. Right? Is he masturbating? And while he's doing it, he's
0: narrating it too to the judge's wife. Who said he was like, oh, "I'm just so mad, and this is how I feel, and you've got to see it and live through." Like they're going on and on and on with this dumb scene. First of all, written by an eighth grader. It mm. seems like you know when. In the solicit, they're talking about this group of heroes and this psychic damage that was done to the main character, who is just comically flawed. Faustus seems to be ruined. And they mention this thing, the link. There was no mention of it in the story. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no mention of the other characters that this part of this group that the book is named after. But there was this extended scene of the jackal character who insulting a guy and his wife ripping the dude's head off and pooping on
1: it was like half the book yeah
0: i i just i'm i'm fine with flawed characters if this faustus character is going to be flawed
1: in fact i think if the book is about superheroes that are psychologically damaged that's an interesting hook and i want to read that we didn't get
0: barely scratched the surface absolutely they just didn't touch on any of it so we don't know why he's flawed he just happens to be that way The solicit called the heroes in the victories, who outside of Faustus, like I said, we didn't even see, but it calls them the raunchiest group of heroes since Garth Ennis, the boys. Ennis has got a sick sense of humor that works really well in the boys. It is funny. It's gross. It's ridiculous. It's ham-fisted, but it's funny.
1: The thing about the superheroes in the boys is that the superheroes are the villains of the story. Oh, they're horrible people. Yes.
0: But there's no humor here. There's just gratuitous violence and really bad dialogue. I hated this. I really did. I hated it. I'm giving it a leave it. And I love Michael Avon Oming's art. I love even the confusing, crazy stuff that he does. I love it. I can't give this anything but a leave it.
1: See, and I'm going to give it a skim it because when I finished reading it, my reaction wasn't discussed it was confusion. I wanted to at least know a little bit more, so I'll probably read number two. It is on the thinnest of ice, though, and I, it's hard to recommend. So at best, I can say, pick it up and look at it, yeah. and you know maybe your mileage will vary. But... I think
0: dude needs a writer. I think he's proved that time and time mm-hmm. again. Of course we want to know what you fecal freak werewolves and drunk swordsmen thought of our reviews so hit us up on our facebook page and tell us how masturbatory and poopy they really were oh gross right yeah that's disgusting <laughs> Now it's time for us to join Odorus Yerungus and the rest of the Guar gang aboard their spaceship as we fly to Asia to track down that moron, Dave Mustaine, who earlier this week blamed President Obama for the shootings in Colorado and
1: Wisconsin as part of a conspiracy to ban guns in America. Point of order, Dave Mustaine. We don't want to ban guns in America. We just don't want you to have guns. <laughs> so join us. As we review 10 comics while on our little fox hunt, and when we do catch him,
0: you can bet our giant alien buddies have a chainsaw suppository waiting for metal's most misguided right-wing s***. Sh- and the blood will flow during this week's ludicrous speed round. We have
1: got to stop threatening people. That guy lives harm.
0: in LA. I'm going there. If I
1: see him, I'm punching him in his f***ing face. Oh man! Ludicrous speed! Go! Homecoming number one, Aspen.
0: The story of a missing girl that shows up at her old house ten years after her disappearance with powers. Narrated by the high school junior dude that lives there now, although the first part of the story is narrated by a third party. (laughs) It's kind of confusing when your main character narrates the story. It becomes painfully obvious that whatever situation they're currently in, the narrator's going to be just fine. Otherwise, who would be telling the story? Nothing special here. Skim it.
1: DC Universe presents number 12, DC This is a Kid Flash solo story by Fabian Nicieza, and I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, even though it feels like DC has done everything they can to make me H-A-T-E hate these young characters that I used to love. Yeah, me too. The story, which spins out of the recent Culling crossover and is to be continued in Teen Titans is about a totally rad team of dinosaur teens dude running loose in manhattan while kid flash tries to keep the peace are you kidding me it's completely uninspired and it didn't do anything to make me want to continue following the story let alone the further adventures of these characters god the art by jorge jimenez is kind of okay kind of but it's not good enough to keep my interest leave it the
0: young dinosaurs for hire showed up (laughs)
1: they <laughs> weren't <trying> to subscribe.
0: <laughs> Daredevil number seventeen from Marvel. Mike Alred steps in as guest artist to tell a tale from Hornheads past, and it looks so good that I never want him to leave. Too bad he's drawing FF. I know, which is still going to be great. Yes. It's a great story, as usual with Mark Wade, and I got a little misty in the end. It was so sweet. It was. It's a bias set in the past. Yeah.
1: Oh, right. It's a Stilt Man broke into the office and everything. It was all set in the past. Oh, I'm behind you. Jericho season four number one from Mighty W. All right. Matt Palm thinks he can force me to review books that I'm completely uninterested in, and I guess he's right. That's right, it worked. But I'm reviewing this one under protest. This is the second series continuing the perpetually canceled CBS TV show. It's not even the first follow-up. I know. (laughs) And it's at least co-written by the show's writers. They're
0: going for it.
1: So I can see why it has some appeal, but the art is so poor. It's so poor. Uh, the storytelling is terrible. There are random shots of characters' faces without dialogue that serve absolutely no purpose whatsoever. Did they do that on the show or something? No, no. They show someone like... <gasps> it, it, it looks like the book was drawn first, and then the writers scripted to fill the panels the best they could. Oh, God. Uh, Andrew Curry. Sorry, I'm calling you out by name. It's not good. <laughs> and the scene that sets up the issue is completely contradicted at the end. With no explanation whatsoever. It's like the opposite of a cliffhanger. <laughs> it's an anti-cliffhanger. <laughs> like, never mind, that didn't happen. Uh, Le- it gets the most leaving it of leave-its. Bloodshot number two from Valiant.
0: This comic is a joy to read. It's beautiful to look at. It's action-packed. It's surprising. And holy hell, is it violent. Bloodshot is what Destro could have been If DC had any stones Whatsoever Number 1 checked in at number 77 On the top 300 comics list And that worries me You guys need to be buying this Valiant is kicking ass And we need to support them Buy it Don't you think that that's pretty good for Valiant though? Still 77 I
1: would have liked to see seen it Like at least a 50 showing All right. Before Watchmen Rorschach Number 1 DC I was really excited for this uh, series By Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo And it is very good The artwork is stunning, and Azarello's script is as gritty and brutal as I was expecting, but the voice Azarello gives Rorschach seems off to me. I haven't read it yet. I've said it before, my connection to the original Watchmen is tenuous at best, but it felt off to me. Like, Rorschach threatens to shove a dude's hand up his own butt. I was like, I don't think Rorschach would say that. (laughs) And I... I really, I'm sorry. I really couldn't care less about the Crimson Corsair backups. I kind of like them. Two pages per issue is not enough to get me interested, guys. I, uh, I'm sorry. I kind of like them. My first gut was to give this a skim It Really? But I really did enjoy it. So give it a buy it, jerk. So I'm going to give it a buy it, right. but it did feel off. Harbinger, number three from Valiant.
0: Uh, Look what I did there. Two Valiant books. Joshua Dysart is killing it here with this issue we learned, along with the main character, that he's part of a much larger world. The story here is massive in scope. Keeps getting better. I love this book. Buy this. Make your friends buy it, too. They need a push. They're in the, like, high 100s Eww. right now for sales. That's
1: bad. Extermination, number three. Boom! I'm really enjoying this story in this series. Uh, A borderline psychotic superhero teaming up with a mad genius supervillain in the wake of a catastrophic alien invasion. But the art by Jeffrey Edwards is really starting to get to me. It looks really rushed and inconsistent in parts. And I feel like, number one, it looked really good. Yeah, and, like, remembering number one, I remember enjoying it. But this, like, there are parts where it's just flat-out bad. Yeah, it's
0: not the same.
1: There are some flashback scenes by... V. Ken Marion. I don't know what the V stands for. Victor! That, they're actually really <laughs> nice. And I found myself wishing that V was the main artist. Uh, still, though, I'm enjoying the story and the character development. It's just that art, man.
0: They're getting a little heavy-handed with the whole the good guy still trying to be a good guy and play by good guy rules. Hmm. You know, like, uh, it, it's getting a little heavy-handed. I'm
1: giving it a skin. I'll I, I give it a skin. Avengers vs. X-Men, number 10 from Marvel. It's
0: an improvement from the last issue. Ed Brubaker writes and Adam Cooper pencils as Cyclops and Emma begin to come apart under the power of the Phoenix. Something really big happens with hope. But still, with the ups and downs and the unevenness of the writing of this series, I can really
1: only give it a skim it. I'm, like, barely excited for it anymore. Too many cooks in the kitchen, man. i tell you what I'm excited for, the ending. Yeah. Like, I, that sounds snide, but I'm really excited for the last Yeah,
0: season. I want to see what they do. I think yeah. it's going to be good. That's why I'm doing a skim it. But like I said, too many cooks in the kitchen,
1: man. Revival number two from Image. Was my love of issue one a fluke? No! Is my disdain for Tim Seeley's work justified? No! This issue was awesome and so creepy. The small town mystery of the revived citizens and their increasingly disturbing behavior continues. I'm hooked with this book. It Girl and Battle Pug Mike Norton is continuing to demonstrate that he is an artist that can do anything he can. Loved it. Buy it.
0: That is your ludicrous speed round, and yeah! The sound Hope Summers makes when she, spoiler alert, uses her newly acquired mystical kung fu as seen in the pages of this week's Avix number 10. Yeah. Joe Patrick, before weird starts happening in the Sanctum Sanctorum, why don't you read a few answers to the question of the week from our lovely listeners? Our friend Keith Silva, who is a
1: very nice man and and not at all crazy. Not crazy. Uh, voiced his concerns on Twitter saying, it's difficult not to be cynical. The short answer is no, he's not excited. If these zeros were so important, why did DC wait a year?
0: That's, a, that's an excellent question.
1: Uh, but he continued on Facebook because he needed more space for his answers. And he said... He's just wondering, what is the point? What will be learned in these zero issues that could not have been told in the number ones? Or any regular issue for that matter. That's my ad. This feels like marketing masquerading as storytelling. Is that ever a good thing? Yeah. My response is, marketing is always a part of a comic. Right.
0: But and there are times when it is blatantly part of a comic.
1: It's true. It's true. For me, though, like... The idea of them using the year anniversary to do something quote-unquote special is kind of nice. How about an annual? Oh, please, annuals don't sell. (laughs) Well, they could if you made them good again. (laughs) Just saying. Also on Facebook, Ryan Forrest, our pal, writes in and says, hell yes, he's excited. Although he dropped the monthly, he's most interested to read Batgirl and have them explain the quote-unquote miracle. Best of luck there. Yeah, we'll see. And also excited for Swamp Thing, Animal Man, Wonder Woman, and Supergirl. All good choices. Very good. All good choices. Absolutely. Now it's time to join our good friend and new god Metron in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where, in exchange for borrowing Matt's The Young Ones Every Stupid Episode DVDs, he has retrieved two comics from next Wednesday's new comic shipment using his Mobius chair and amazing shoplifting skills. Who would have known, right? You should see that guy go. <laughs> Matt, what issue did Metron pull out of his pants?
0: For you. Next week I'm gonna be reading Rocketeer, Cargo of Doom number one, by Mark Wade and Chris Samney. I have loved what IDW has done with the Rocketeer so far. This is their first real Rocketeer mini series. I believe it's four issues. Love Mark Wade. Love Chris Soumney. This is going to be a blast. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for?
1: Fables number one hundred and twenty from Vertigo by Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham. It's the final part of the Cubs. I gotta make the hams, Joe. A lot of hams. A lot of hams. Clapping
0: hams. <laughs>
1: It's the final part of the Cubs in Toyland storyline and I am rocketing towards getting caught up on Fables and it just so happens to be coming out right as I'm nearing the finish line. I'm excited to see how everything has progressed since I fell behind and I love me some Fables. Fair
0: enough. Of course, we want to know what you'll be shoplifting next week. So send us a tweet, hit us up on Facebook or, you know, you can email a guy.
1: Yeah, listen, what are you too good for it?
0: So long, space fans. Wherever you are. Hip-hop hooray-hoes. It's hip-hop hooray-hoes. White boy, come on. Hip-hop hooray-hoes. The comic (laughs) pushes are back.
1: And they're looking to make an addict out of you this week. A stinky, vibrating tweaker named Mike Andrews writes... Can you nerds recommend a non-current space sci-fi non-superhero series that was really well done? I'm enjoying the current Planetoid series, and I enjoyed the Dark Matter mini from Dark Horse. That was good. I've only gotten back into comics around a year ago, and I think I have some catching up to do. Great question, Mike. I have two knee-jerk reactions to this, and one is
0: also Dark Horse. I would say go back, pick up the Dark Horse Aliens omnibus super cheap it's like 24.95 and it's like 400 damn pages and there was so much good stuff in those it was stuff that came out of dark horse presents some of the early uh mini series sam keith worked on those i believe john ostrander worked on some of those really fun alien comics if you're an alien fan i would also on the alien tip alien legion man go
1: Surprise surprise. There's an Matt Bomb recommends Alien Legion. There's an
0: Alien Legion omnibus as well that you can pick up still in print. Excellent stuff. Carl Potts, uh, Larry Stroman, Chuck Dixon, some of my favorite 80s comics, man. Such great stuff. Joe Patrick, what would you suggest?
1: I would recommend a couple of Warren Ellis comics. They were miniseries that came out uh, several years ago. One of them is called Ocean. Excellent. It came out from Wildstorm. It's not, Excellent stuff. It's not like a high space adventure story, but it is a sci-fi story.
0: Creepy sci-fi. Nobody does creepy sci-fi like Warren Ellis.
1: It's about a bunch of uh, scientist astronauts in the future that find... Some really crazy nonsense buried under the surface of Europa, which is one of the moons of Jupiter, in
0: an ocean of liquid water.
1: Yeah, that's all water's liquid, buddy. Ooh. Well, not all
0: water. Nope, there's also frozen water. It's called ice,
1: and also steam in yeah, your face. That's right. Science. You're the one. <laughs> you screwed it up first, <laughs> jerk. There's also another <laughs> Warren Ellis. Uh, this was an original graphic novel called Orbiter, which so good is, if I recall correctly, it's about. A normal space shuttle that disappears and comes back, like, decades later covered in skin. Yeah. And something crazy. Super,
0: super creepy. Yeah. They're just begging, like, Event Horizon-type creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, so much fun.
1: And then there was a, a three-issue mini that Ellis also did called Ministry of Space. Yeah. Which wasn't a space adventure, but it was, like, an alternate history in which Britain wins the space race.
0: Chris Weston beautifully illustrated by chris weston
1: so those are three great warren ellis books that shouldn't be too terribly hard to find in back issue form i don't know if the trades are still in print but hit your local shopper go online and none of those back
0: issues should be too expensive either you can probably dig those up
1: oh yeah they're not worth anything
0: mike of course we want to know what you thought of these stories so read a few of them Tell us if we're on the money or not. If you're looking for a new, highly addictive comic series to reinforce your habit, just send us an email with the subject, Comic Pushers, and a list of comics, movies, books, food, animals, guns, or any other stuff that you're into, and we will push a stick into your vein and fire comics straight up into your dome. Weird sex stuff. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe you're into weird sex stuff. Nobody
1: judging you. sort of break it, break it down like this. Oy, that is it for the first DHN Punk Rock Show. If
0: you hate the man like we hate the man, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Your star ratings and may not reflect well on your personal record at work or school, but f*** those guys. Be sure to make us
1: look good. Joe
0: Patrick, give him the
1: going on a short hiatus after this episode. Matt is going on tour with his world famous rock band. World famous world famous rock band and I am a technological caveman that can barely keep myself clothed and fed. It's true really garbage. Bag. Let alone record and edit a podcast. But there is good news. In the absence of the audio podcast, we will be hosting regular, original, written content by a host of contributors. Look for reviews, editorials, and more at the alldo 2 editnerdcom soon. And our angelic voices will be back to assault your delicate ear holes on September 9th. By the way, we're calling you. Uh, writer, the THN loves The THN loves you. Love The THN Love Huge thanks to this week's donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in safety bins and patches, you can make your donation in any amount at the noon approval. We gotta pay
0: writers now, those tools are expensive. You would not get paid. paid. What John from Furt Wieners is asking. My God. He's into weird sex stuff. Wow, he is into weird sex While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, to hitternerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or the comic that you made, and we'll give it a review. We love
1: receiving comics from
0: you guys. The guys at Four
1: Matter Comics are sending us fails. Can't wait
0: to you. I'm heavy into it. And keep your THM mascot art coming or the new DreamStory.com
1: where every time you visit, a different mascot pops up. It's science. It's randomized somehow. It might be every single time. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week. Max, are you excited for the materialistic at all? I know. I gotta go
0: with Silva thing. This it just seems like a marketing ploy. Unless each one of those zero issues is gonna be 200 pages long, what are they really going to accomplish? They're gonna fill in five damn years of backstory once with 22
1: pages? They're not
0: filling in the whole history they never said they were. I get that. What are you really gonna do, especially about books that I already hate? If something's gonna happen a Death Book Zero, it makes me go, wow! This nonsense is pretty good.
1: one you know? said you have to read
0: Astral Zero, I, I, just, I Maybe I'm just being a sure, But this does not seem like marketing. And you know what else I hate? Zero issues. I hate them. I hate size zero on women's clothing. It doesn't make any sense. Zero is nothing. It is null. It's dumb. You want to do a negative one? I can wrap my head around that. Zero is stupid.
1: Off topic for a second. Was it you that argued with me? over and over about Marvel's rating system in the handbook yes some years ago starting at zero no the hit, it's a scale of one to ten so by default one is the least yeah <laughs> and so when Aunt May has an energy projection of one, you lost your mind, this is dumb. She shouldn't have any. She should
0: have no, <laughs> zero energy projection. Aunt May doesn't shoot lasers, okay? <laughs> this is a whole different argument that I'm not going into. What do you think about the zero issue? You see,
1: and I am kind of excited, not for all of it, and I know it's marketing. I like, I understand the cynical, you know, view of it, but I, I kind of like that stuff. I like it when. They they Try to make things important or special Sure And I'm not going to read every book I'm not going to read Hawkman Because I really don't care anymore. No, and if it's good, it's good I'm not going
0: to wipe my butt with them just to do it you But, know like,
1: I mean? I'm excited I'm legitimately excited to see Scott Snyder's with like all the fecal references in this show <laughs> You're a broken man It's just this week <laughs> I, I'm genuinely excited to see, like Scott Snyder filling in some of the blanks With the Batman book I want to see... Oh my that'll probably be I am. Yeah. I am morbidly curious about Batgirl. I'm you know? morbidly
0: curious about Superman. I'm like, not going to... What are they going to do there? Yeah. I got to It's like, I got to see that train wreck. Plus,
1: this is going to see the launch of the four new titles as well. Team 7. Right. Which are several people on our Facebook page said they were excited to read.
0: I can't help but be excited. Justin Jordan, man. He's a good writer. I know, but they're farting around with my Team 7. So,
1: I like... I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I know what it's marketing, and I know that they'll be just as good or bad as they are month to month. Right. But, you know, I'm still eager to read them. Fair enough. Before we go,
0: our weekly shout out goes to Scott Heim, author of Mysterious Skin and his new book, The First Time I Heard the Smiths, a collection of essays by musicians and artists about their first experience with Morrissey's old band featuring an essay by yours truly. Well, I would say neither musician nor artist, guy that makes noise. Word to you, Scott, and you can find the first time I heard the Smiths on Kindle and the iBooks Marketplace right friggin' now. Did you show him on the doll where Morrissey touched you? (laughs) Morrissey's asexual, sir. Until next Morrissey sleeps with one person, and that's Morrissey. Until next time, true believers, this is a two-headed nerd, signing off.